Hey everyone, I'm Stefan. This is Graham. Hello. This is Travis. What's up? And we are three different ones. A few years ago, we compiled a big list of albums we think are interesting and talk about them. Today, we're talking about Biggin, the Jimi Hendrix Experience's second album, Axis Bold as Love. Graham, you were dead set on doing a 60s album, and you just decided to go on a classic. You are certainly guitar guy on this show. No need to ask why you picked this one, but uh, is this your favorite Hendrix album? Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say, like, I've kind of had a weird, uh, well, not, not weird, but like Hendrix has never been somebody that I've just like listened to as obsessively as, you know, some of those other, other bands like, uh, Beatles or Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Um, I think this is the only one that I actually had on CD. Yeah. Um, you know, I had like a, a greatest hits or something from my dad and have just kind of gradually heard all the all the uh, classics. There are a lot of deep cuts that I don't know, though. Like on this album, there are several songs that, you know, just kind of scanning the title before going in. I was like, I, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, several undisputable classics um stefan you're a pretty big hendrix guy oh yeah oh yeah are you experienced uh made me want to get into guitar that was yeah. uh, that was a that was the turning point for me and uh mm-hmm. when i was i think i was in middle school my uncle showed me the uh the, the little documentary on the monterey pop festival where he yeah. uh hendrix's performance is probably considered the most memorable part of that certainly that movie i don't know about the show itself but that's the one when he set his guitar on fire and just that was his big i think that's his big coming out party in the in the states at least he was doing a lot of recording in europe at that time he was kind of bigger over there he's doing like tv shows in belgium i kind of went down a kick uh, of hendrix stuff for a while and that kind of culminated in the the Jimi Hendrix movie starring Andre 3000 as Hendrix, which uh, we may have to review at some point. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I've listened to this album quite a few times. Uh, I was a little nervous just because, I mean, there's there's not there's not a long uh, discography for for Hendrix. Uh, all his albums are kind of memorable and it's they've they've been you know he's such a prolific and you know significant figure in music history that there's just it's kind of a situation of i don't know what else to say but i'll i'll take any excuse to listen to this music i yeah i was i was i was pumped when you told us this is what we what we were gonna do yeah i was i was kind of over here like scratching my head like what psychedelic you know 60s album could i do and i was kind of looking at a bunch of obscure ones and then it kind of hit me like we've got to do a hendrix album at some point yeah and like what is more 
you know, he gets he gets into the the psychedelic side of things. Also, just kind of uh, harder rock kind of thing, especially for the time. The guitar playing's groundbreaking. <laughs> um, you know, made Eric Clapton want to quit. Yes, I think a lot of guitarists were probably in that boat. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis, what about you? Are you similar to me, or? Um, I would say. Maybe somewhere in between, y'all. Um, yeah. I have listened to this album quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, probably more so than any of the other Hendrix albums, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I was excited to get into it. It's, I mean, it's a classic. And like you said, it, it has so many, you know, big name tracks on it. I mean, heck, half this album could be a greatest hits. <laughs> For sure, you know there there are a lot of big tracks on here, and like you said too, there there are some that you know I I wouldn't be able to hum them just seeing the title, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Kind of hard to recall. I I listened to this maybe four or five times this week, just periodically, like driving in the car while I was mm-hmm. doing stuff at home, and I kept making a point to go back and listen to those like, you know, up from the skies, ain't no telling songs like that. Just because yep. I mean, I've heard the other so many times, but I really wanted to get a good grasp of those. So for sure. Yeah, I, that's fair. Same way. That's, I mean, the first, the first track on the, the album isn't even really a song. So it's, <laughs> there's, there's always, I, I, I definitely remember EXP though. Always, that was. <laughs> I didn't like it the first time I heard it, and I still don't really understand it. Honestly, right. like it's just a, this this little like made up radio rant about Paul Caruso and flying saucers. Like it's full of. St- I don't know if it's like if it's supposed to be like a guy being abducted by aliens or something, but it, it's so. It doesn't, I, I don't think it really, I mean, I wouldn't describe this album as like sci-fi. It's like, it's more like mysticism and psychedelia. This It's it's so weird that it starts with this. <laughs> yeah, kind of sets the tone in a very odd way. I guess. <laughs> yeah, because so, some of the music on here sounds pretty like, you know, it's like soulful R and B at times. Um, but yeah, man, I guess Hendrix was into aliens. He's a weird dude. <laughs> I think it's worth noting too the the album cover for this is just amazing. Oh yeah, and apparently Hendrix wasn't happy about it. Like that was kind of chosen for him. Really? Yeah. I love it, and it's such an iconic cover. Yeah, I, I like it too. It, you know, I'm reading, you know, draws on Hindu right. religion. Um, I guess it generated some controversy at the time. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, that's what it says. It doesn't go into specifics, um, 
said it was designed without Hendrix's approval. He publicly expressed dissatisfaction. How is that even possible? How That's shocking to me. You're the artist. Like how how do you just end up with an album cover that you have no contribution to it's, creatively? That's always interesting. Like I think especially at that time, artists would kind of get they would they would get in like I guess bad relationships with their label or yeah, he had a pretty contentious relationship with his manager. Like, isn't there a theory that his manager like had him killed? Oh, is is that is that one that's been floated out there? <laughs> I read that in a like a, a magazine at a Mister E's music store many many <laughs> years ago. I, I don't know how mainstream <laughs> it is, but there's like there there's all I, I'm sure there's plenty of like you know tinfoil hat theories out there about him and what happened sounds like a headline for a national Enquirer magazine yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah. Was, was Hendrix part of the 27 club yes yes he was and the white lighter club I don't know that one what is that uh-huh. <laughs> apparently a lot of Artists, musicians have passed away with a white lighter in their pocket. Oh, I didn't know I've, that. I've heard that. Is there it's is bad there juju evidence to to uh, back that one? Or <laughs> I don't know. I've never really looked into it all that deeply, but I'm sure <laughs> there's some basis for it. Did lighters even exist? I know, I'm I'm imagining Hendrix with like a white Bic lighter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely asking though. I, I don't know, like yeah, in when... the 60s? Yeah. Yes, there were li- yes, there were lighters. It's well, like disposable. Well, I guess not disposable. I'm imagining uh what are the little zippos? I'm sure that's what everybody mm-hmm. was using. Yeah, probably. Seems like it'd be kind of bizarre to have a white Zippo, though. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm gonna have to look into that. We'll we'll figure that out before the next episode. <laughs> Do an episode of the white lighter theory. Sure. Yes. What would y'all think about "Up from the Skies"? I always forget about this song, <laughs> and I I uh I think it's okay. I do feel like it's a bit out of place on this album. Um, yeah, it's insanely, it's insanely blue sounding until that that solo near the end is kind of warpy and strange. But yeah, from the from the brush drumming that Mitch Mitchell's doing, I mean the the way the vocals sound, it's it's not, it doesn't really. If you don't know this is Hendrix, I mean you might might not that it's him. It's a really I don't know. I've always been kind of in the middle on the song. I don't know. It's hard to pin down really an opinion. I, I think it's okay though. It's probably my my take on it. I would agree. Yeah. It, yeah. It's so bizarre coming off of EXP too. Yes. Yes. It's not. It's not really trippy or. Uh, yeah. Or. Kind of, 
I don't know. It's just, it's very like traditional, like kind of honky tonk sounding. And that's just, you know, still sounds okay. It's just, it's a real odd addition and so early in the listing. Mm -hmm. That's that's another thing that's surprising about it to me. Uh, Graham, what, what do you think about this? Um, did you say honky tonk? Yes. Badonk, badonk. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't remember getting that vibe from it, but I think your, uh, you know, your your statement that you always forget about this song is, is kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is forgettable. And yeah. I, I almost see it as kind of like a little like intro to uh spanish castle magic like it's kind of like very laid back and like we're just kind of like kind of vamping on something while the Mm -hmm. the crowd files in or introducing the band doesn't really go anywhere sure sure and maybe maybe that's the intent because uh well i don't know if you're ready to move on but oh i am I'm good to go. You, you get, yeah. You follow it up with the, the very uh, bombastic next tune. Yeah, I, I I almost skipped this one. I've heard this song so many times. I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I uh, one thing I want to make sure we make note of is I uh, a lot of there, there's a lot of discourse on Hendrix's voice, like his you know vocal ability. I love his singing on this song mm-hmm. and I love his vocals on a, on a few of these songs. And I'm absolutely going to make note of that when it happens. Uh, it's not the, it's not the most memorable part of his, uh, you know, musical profile or even this song, but I, I love the way he sings on Spanish castle. It's really nice when it breaks up. Like it's mm-hmm. almost like its own kind of distortion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I agree though. It's a, just it so beautifully evokes like this this dreamy quality that's a, a really important component to psych rock, and I, I I think it I think it really works on this. Graham, I got a question for you. I know you're mm-hmm. you're big on drum sound. What do oh. you think of how those are mixed in, especially on this song? But I mean, just generally speaking, with the album, I. I love it. I mean, I I think he's got so much power. Oh yeah. Like that first like really tight like roll that he does kind of. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, yeah, Mitch Mitchell just one of the best. He's got got a unique thing going on. Like he's he's got kind of like a I think he kind of had like a jazz background. Yes. Mhm. Did you know that's his voice on a EXP? No, oh, is it? I I think he was like a child actor, and so he had some experience. Like when they needed somebody to do that, he was like, "Yeah, sure, I'm gonna do a little vocal wow. thing." Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm with you though. I I'm so happy that he gets uh he gets a lot of props from uh like drummers that came after him and even like people now like he's always ranked pretty highly in drummer lists and i mean really these uh the three albums he did with jimmy that's that's really what he's known for 
more than anything. Oh, yeah. He never there there was no there was no follow up to to this that really, you know, came close to it, which is, you know, that's that's fair. Like that's that's kind of unreasonable to expect that. Like Dave Grohl kind of stands alone in that regard. <laughs> yeah, I I can't really tell you what he did post Hendrix. Um but yeah, he definitely made an impression for having such like a kind of short time in the spotlight. Yeah. Travis, yeah. are you a fan of the drum sound as well? Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean it it almost has kind of a live sound to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's very organic and natural sounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could could have something to do with like the way it was mic'd or Right. Who knows? Like it it sounds to me, and I could be completely wrong, but it almost sounds like a single or like dual like stereo mic setup, like big overheads, maybe two, you know? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. The kick is, you know, kind of quiet in the mix, but I mean, the crashes are so loud. It, it sounds to me like it's recorded from above. Yeah, that's. I I bet that happened because uh, I feel like in the early days that was kind of standard was to have like an overhead drum mic and. Mm-hmm. Um. He's got a lot of power. <laughs> he does. It it is pretty amazing too, like you guys said, how I mean he's very well known and it's like <laughs> yeah. you know, he he played alongside Jimmy, which I mean that's you know, he's one of the most well known, if not maybe the most well known guitar player of all time. Oh yeah. So easy mm-hmm. to be overshadowed by and you know, it's not like the band had a name. It was just Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're the experience, but it's it's it, right, right, right. The band had a lot uh, was a lot working against him. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean he when he went into it, it was knowing you are here to support the front yes. man, the guitar. Like that's that's why you're here. Like it was not it was not something that he probably thought of was going to you know make him a, a famous name. Among drummers. Yeah. Absolutely. And he crushed it. I mean, he, he made the most of his opportunity. Didn't he and Hendrix kind of like, uh, didn't their egos kind of clash when they were playing live sometimes? I don't know any, I don't know much about their relationship. I would think that that would happen, though. That sounds, that sounds about right. I, I want to say that that whole band was a little bit like, uh, there's a lot of tension there. Yeah, I, I always heard the bassist, uh, Noel Redding, who's got a song credited to him in this listing that we'll get to later. Uh, yeah. I was heard he was kind of salty about the the dynamics in the band, uh, but mm. I don't I don't know much about Mitch Mitchell's personality in terms of like the character drummers, especially of this era. I I couldn't tell you really anything about him, especially when you compare him to like, you know, like uh, Ginger and Moon and Bonham and like all the, you know, the whole murderer's row of lunatics that we got playing drums and the, the big bands back then. 
I, I just remember I, it might have been that Monterey documentary, but it was like Hendrix would like hit his cymbals with his guitar, like when he was being too loud or something, or like too flashy. <laughs> I could see that being very irritating. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, I still love Spanish Castle Magic, even though I feel like times I do too. Yeah, just a killer riff. Oh my gosh, the power, man! It's just mm. oh. like it's his, tone, his guitar tone is just so fat and oh yeah, powerful. Strat through the Marshall stack. Yeah. <laughs> nobody nobody like that back then. Mm. No, not the not the not the standard Fender sound. I don't I don't think is it. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a Strat usually plugged into a a fuzz face pedal into a big old Marshall stack. So it's not like the clean kind of twangy Strat sound you get. Um, I don't know. I mean, he, he might have been kind of the first to, like, do that with a Strat. I, I don't really know. Yeah. Dirty it up. Uh, huh? Dirty it up. Yeah, yeah. And just, just get a, a tone that giant, like... Um, I think... And I think live as well, he was, he was known for, you know, bringing those giant-ass... Marshall stacks to small <laughs> clubs because that was that was just part of his part of his sound. Play it loud. Yeah, I think he's also one of those guys where it's like you know the tone is in the fingers, like it's it's hard to replicate what he's doing. <laughs> you got to be him. You really do. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I would probably have to hear from another, like, strat aficionado to really, to really go into the details. Um, anyway. Shall we talk about wait until tomorrow? I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a lot on it either. Groups it in with Up From The Skies. A little bit. A little bit. It's it's I think it's better. I I like it better. I would too. I would too. I love the opening riff. I do too. Love it. Nice little bass line too. It's yeah. It's it's soulful. Yeah. That's just simple, groovy little beat going. Uh yeah, the standout part. Yeah. That's the word. For sure. It's a sixties episode, man. There's a little Uh, little twang to it too. Yeah. Yeah, the the high point for me though um, is the the drums, especially yeah. at the end. That was my that was my favorite part of the song. Yeah, I, I'd say with these kind of less uh, less popular tracks, like it's like at least you've got some sick musicianship. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I kind of went into this album like remembering like I feel like it was 
it was a little inconsistent where you would have these, you know, giant songs that are just, you know, undisputed classics that are great. And then a few that are kind of forgettable. I want to talk. We need to talk about that at the at the end. Please remind me if we yeah about that. Yeah. How how like you think like modern guitarists would view this stuff? That's that's. Mm. A, I was thinking about that a lot listening to this album, even when listening to the stuff that's still gets a lot of like radio play and are still pretty popular. Yeah. 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 Um, not a whole lot on Wait Until Tomorrow. I think it's 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 a cool song, but it's kind of it's it's a little simple, you know. True. True. Silly little chorus singing the refrain. I mean, it's yeah, you know, it's all right. Mm-hmm. I think Ain't No Telling is probably my favorite of the three kind of less known tracks that we've encountered so far. Okay. Okay. Got a little more. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, a little more speed in this one. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, I I actually I've heard this song a bunch. That uh that riff, man, that's just that oh, yeah. I I I can always place that. <laughs> <laughs> I had listened to this album in a, in a while, and ain't no telling is not, you know, that's not in my top ten of like the you know favorite Hendrix songs, but I I always right. I can always place it. Uh, love the breakdown. In the middle of the I song, do too. Mitchell just starts going bananas, and Jimmy's doing his Jimmy thing. I this is a, I think this is a real cool song. Really enjoy it's it. It's such a jam. Oh yeah, it high is. energy. It's it's so short though. It's not even two minutes. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I always forget that about Hendrix's songs. That most of them they're they're, they're kind of they jump in, they jump out. It's brief. <laughs> Very yeah. brief. Yeah. That's true. Like, the longest track on this album is uh, If Six Was Nine. Mm-hmm. You know, 532. Um, yeah. I think short bold, album. I think, bold, I think Bold is Love uh-huh. is about four minutes. I think that's uh, that's probably the second longest. It's, it's yeah, and that- a lot of, like, it's a lot of, like, three-minute jams really yeah <laughs> which I, I think i think i appreciate sometimes like Dang, i got no problem with that especially with stuff that's guitar driven you know mm-hmm. it's like it's not just endless wanking yeah yeah it's uh not too not too ostentatious i don't think it really overstays its welcome I, no i'm yeah i'm fine with it now for a uh, monstrous track. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And a short one at that. Indeed. Yeah, it really is. Still greatness. Dude, that first note still just like that little triangle or bell they've got going. I, I still like, I, it still gives me chills, man. I love it. Is Is there a a more, I'm trying to think of the phrasing for what I'm trying to say here. Is there a song out there that's like this that has made other musicians as successful covering as this song? <laughs> yeah. 
You know what I mean? It's I feel yeah. like there are a couple of big guitar players that I mean, this is a top three song that they did, you know, as a cover. Yeah. I, I can just, definitely think of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right. I feel What's like the, a lot of blues players mm, have done, you know, a cover of this at some point in time, and I feel like it's usually pretty popular for them. Yeah. Is there another one that comes to mind? I can't think of one. Certainly not for guitar-driven music. Uh, um, did, did I, I was just you? looking to see. I think Clapton did it. I see yeah. uh, Derek and the Dominoes. <laughs> Ding. Pearl Jam. Santana. Oh. Well, uh, Pearl Jam... Uh, has a song that sounds a lot like it. Did they also cover it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I always thought, what's it called? Uh, Yellow Lead be- Better. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. It's totally like a, a tribute to that kind of guitar style and. Yep. Yep. On a wizard on a wave. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Beck's got a big cover of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He would. It's just such like a clever guitar part. It yeah. is. It's it's inexplicable the, the way he plays it. I mean, it's just, oh my gosh, just finger dancing all his, over the guitar, man. His rhythm style is so crazy. Like, it's not just his leads. No. Uh, I think the rhythm style is what a lot of people overlook, you know? When, yes. Because, yes. like, when I was a bit younger, you know, and, and was getting into guitar, it was always important to be like, you know, who's the best guitarist of all time? And Oh, yeah. Hendrix is always on the list, but it's like, you know, his solos versus, like, an Eddie Van Halen solo or, like, uh, um, even like a Jimmy Page solo sometimes like it it's not incredibly like uh not a ton of notes in there. No. Um no. It's very like melodic and tasteful and I feel like I kind of grew to like appreciate what was so different about it. Yeah. I think Little Wing exemplifies that because you know with that with all that rhythm stuff in kind of the intro of the song. I mean, that's great. But also the solo at the end. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Just yeah, so trippy and cool. It, it's, uh, what, like 2.45 minutes long? I mean, and it's, it's, a, it's a career-defining, you know, installment. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Perfect song. I don't, yeah. I don't, and I'm with you, Graham. I don't think it's really up for debate. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And I've heard it a zillion times on the radio, and I feel like I'm always down to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Same. Absolutely. Maybe, I think to your point earlier, too, about you can appreciate songs not being overly long. I feel like that is partially why I've never gotten tired of the song. Having sure. heard it so many times, it's just it's there and gone so quickly. Yep. Mm hmm. It's hard to like classify it too because it's it's not really bluesy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, it's definitely got like soul and rhythm in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fusion of a lot of different things, and yeah. it's uh, yeah. it's really it, it is. I mean, he's really like with the hair and the those clothes that he would wear, like his whole persona. It's a it's really associated with the psychedelic movement, but there's more to it than that. He's he's kind mm-hmm. of his. He's kind of his own thing. Yeah. Like a heavier sound to it. And a little, little bit of that is blues. And I think a lot of that is just kind of his own, his own personal take on the music. And it's just, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm with Travis. It's why so much of this stuff holds up. There's really nothing like it. Mm-hmm. I think the glockenspiel was a great idea. Yes. That's what it yes. is. Okay. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. It's a it's a perfect add on to it. Mm-hmm. It's very dreamy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very dreamy. Sweet sounding. And I think that is Hendrix himself playing the Glock. Yes. Makes sense. A lot less recognized for being a great Glockenspiel player, but yes, yes, he ain't bad. Yeah. No, he's holding his own out there. <laughs> um somehow follows it up with an almost equally great song. <laughs> this this is one of my favorite Hendrix songs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So good. Yep. Yeah. Real bluesy start. The guitar. Mm-hmm. I'd I, I forgot to take notes uh, on this one. <laughs> it. I, I just, I vibe so hard to this song. Truthfully, I, I didn't take notes on this album at all. It's <laughs> the first time I've ever not taken notes. Good yeah. for you. That's impressive. <laughs> it's not the first it's... time for me. <laughs> but that, that's not necessarily because I'm always on top of my game. It's just maybe laziness uh, it's for me it's um I, I was worried that if i didn't make some specific notes i would just start to ramble because i i love this album i love the love hendrix so i i wanted to make sure if i didn't have anything written down i would leave out stuff that i wanted to say mm-hmm. that's that's the main reason i was taking notes but yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of off the cuff in it right now Mm-hmm. My thought with this was, I mean, everybody knows who Hendrix is. Like the musicianship is indisputable. You know, it's just it's so much about feel. Mm-hmm. And it's like that. That's kind of my take on reviewing this. You know, how did each song make me feel? Yep. I love this song, dude. <laughs> the guitar yeah. solo portion with the whole band just going gonzo, so fucking cool. Oh yeah, so so cool. And I around like that three minute mark, they kind of they kind of shift back into a slower beat, and then Mitchell has the solo. I mean, there's just there's a there's a like this isn't a long song. I I don't think it didn't feel long, but there's a, there's a lot in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I heard they kind of, yeah, almost fused. It was like a two-part kind of composition. Yeah. You definitely get the psychedelic feel on this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That little interlude thing. Yep. And lyrically, I feel like a little more like, uh, I don't know, a little more direct or like a little more uh, um, aggressive mm-hmm. than some of the other music. Because he, he sings about different themes, you know, kind of more psychedelic or love. And like, this one's a little more like biting, you know? Yeah. It, it doesn't sound dreamy and happy like a lot right. of the stuff that's come before yeah yeah it's uh i think it's it's a great song on its own and i think it's it's made even greater by the fact this is the end of side one for the album i think it's a great way to close the first half of this thing out Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah and like i mean just cranking this one up on a stereo like yeah just how heavy it is hard to do in 67 like this was released in just uh december 1st of 67 like less than a year after his first one so you know predating zeppelin and sabbath and all that stuff by like over more than a year hey yeah uh, ahead of his time hell yeah been in a couple movies easy rider and point break oh yeah it is it's in the party scene in that movie yeah i don't think i've seen either of them but i knew you would know it yeah yeah (laughs) i mean easy rider is 69 so that's like that's nothing but 60s 60s music but uh yeah Mm -hmm. point break is like a it's like a dude bro extreme sports action flick from the 90s (laughs) <laughs> that, that one dude, it stands bro. out a little bit more dude yeah. bro oh dude it's it's I mean the villains are basically the do perfect guys like it's so it's just it's so dated it's so <laughs> of that era like it, <laughs> I really like it too it's just it's not I can't call it a great movie <laughs> <laughs> you know just uh, before we move away from if six was nine there's a few people credited with foot stamping. Yeah, of, the, the, the the clopping sound at the end. I, <laughs> so weird. Well, well, did you recognize uh, Graham Nash's feet? Is that who that is? Oh that, my gosh! That, that's one of them. Um, he's the only only one that I that I recognize. Like, there's a couple other people named Mitch Mitchell. Well, no, sorry. No, Noel Redding was doing foot stomping, too. Okay. But yeah, Graham Nash was hanging around. Love that. <laughs> Love that he just popped in, stomped his feet a little bit. Yeah. It's, I imagine that was a very cool scene. I, I think Hendrix was hanging out in England a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Was- um. His first real uh, burst of success happening there. Yep, yep. I wanted to check where this was recorded, actually. Uh, yeah, London. Okay. Sounds right. On to side two. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh I don't know if I really like You've got me floating, but I, I 
I respect the fact that they started the this, this back half with something a little different. Kind of a, a little bit of a rockabilly vibe, maybe. And, uh, you know, so the guitar is a little twangy sounding. It was a interesting change of pace, I thought. Yeah, um... This one's a little forgettable for me. Yeah. I was going to uh, say the same. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to say it, but I agree. It doesn't help that it's, you know, some of the other songs that we're about to get to are kind of, you know, keeping it in the shadows. Even then, though, because I, I was thinking about that, too. I'm like, okay, am I being really critical? Because, you know, there are massive songs on this album. But even then, I... I don't know that it would do much for me, you know, separate from all these big tracks. Fair enough. It just adds to... <laughs> it adds to the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a ton on this either. Y'all, y'all want to just talk about Castles Made of Sand? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Great Love song. your voice. Love his singing on this one. I do too. I, he's a. Uh, I mean, he he almost goes like spoken word at one point with his uh, lyrical delivery, but it, it works. And I mean, Graham was talking about the the difficulty of his like his rhythm parts. I mean, this song, I I don't even like. How do you how do you describe the the rhythm he's playing on this song? Hmm. This this is a hard riff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Oh my god! It's a lot like Little Wing in in ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of a uh, lot of sliding, man. A lot of <laughs> yeah. A lot of like distortions at the start. I mean, God, I. I Love that, just the little crescendo we get right at the start that eases us into this song. It's so, so cool. Yeah, the sliding riff has a really cool effect. I, I can't really think of other other riffs that do that. It's such a, almost sounds backwards or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, there, there's definitely backwards guitar on the album. Like, uh, usually during solos or something, he'll throw in that effect or some panning. Mm -hmm. Lots of panning. (laughs) Yeah, he was, he was really into the the studio thing. And I think towards the end of his life, you know, had built his own studio, right? Electric Ladyland Studios. I think that's right. I think, uh, I think that is correct. And like, I think he wanted to, you know, he was like a big Beatles fan, and he wanted to, I think, kind of experiment with the studio space like they did, you know? Yeah. Like, experiment with cutting-edge technology. And I, I remember reading that about him. Yeah. I mean, he, he was working out there when the Beatles were still going, I, I think. So, yeah. Sergeant Peppers came out with this, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, they they were they were right in the middle of their their peak creative period. Um, have y'all seen that video of him playing Sergeant Pepper? No, no like I'm not. He 
apparently was like playing in a club. Um, I'm going to guess London, you know, so, somewhere in England. But I think Paul McCartney was in the audience, maybe like Clapton or somebody like that. And <laughs> I don't think the Sgt. Pepper album had even come out. Like maybe maybe there had just been like a single. Maybe it had just come out. But um, I, I guess the point of the story is like it had barely been out long enough for people to hear it. but. Hendrix had already like learned it. And... Were they impressed? Huh? Were they impressed? Was oh yeah. Martin oh yeah. It, it's on YouTube too. Um, I'll have to but check yeah, that out. He, he busts out uh, his own version of, you know, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. <clears throat> That's a flex right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I think he was incredibly nervous though. Yeah, that's hard not to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll I'll send that to you guys. Please do, please do. And now for the levity of the episode, time to talk about she's so fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to just to finish on Castles Made of Sand. I mean, oh, okay. I put it put it right up there with uh, Little Wing. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, iconic. Great. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the best. But yeah. Um this this Noel Redding song. Noel Lowell Redding. Noel. That voice of his. Were y'all laughing hearing this dude sing? <laughs> you know, I, I felt like it, it kind of fits in with kind of some of those other like British bands at the time, you know, oh, yeah. kind of the psychedelic, uh, it feels a little out of place on this album. I mean, most yeah. of him singing it, it's a little more, uh, I don't know, lighthearted. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think Hendrix is singing backup in this one too, with Mitch. Probably. Um, it's not a bad voice by any stretch, but it's like it's so it's like it's kind of nasally and reedy. <laughs> like it's so it's such a sharp uh, contrast with uh, Hendrix's you know kind of deeper sounding singing, and it's just I don't know. It's a very it like I think the, the drums in this are awesome. I think there's a cool guitar riff. Like the song itself is okay, but all I could really think about was Noel singing. Mm-hmm. It really stood out to me on this one. I don't know if y'all have something else you want to chime in about. Yes. I don't have much to add on this one. Yep. Not really. Yeah, I mean, it was it was okay. You know, I kind of lump it in with the other the other maybe filler tracks. <laughs> it's It's in there with Up From The Skies or something. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily stand out for a good reason, I would say. Sure, sure. <laughs> and then the next two were ones that I didn't really know by title. Did you recognize them, though? Eh, not really. I mean, it, you know, just they sound like Hendrix. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I don't know. What do you think about One Rainy Wish? This is my favorite Jimi Hendrix song. Dude, I, I love this song, too. <laughs> and it still, still is. I can... Just hearing it in this near the end of this album, on its own, it's it's my favorite thing that he ever did. Damn. It's been streamed almost equally as many times as Spanish Castle Magic. Yeah, thought that was pretty interesting. I'm actually a little surprised by that. I don't I don't see it um, in the the biggins list. For I don't either. Before. I don't either. But it is quite popular. I uh, I need to go back and a deep dive on Hendrix. I haven't listened to Band of Gypsies in so long. I, I need to check that one out again to make sure, but I, I would I, I feel pretty comfortable calling this my favorite Hendrix song. I love everything about it. I like everything. it a lot. Yeah. It's just from that, that opening drum pattern we get, which is I think like it's the, it's the rain rolling in. I'm Tar is going at this kind of slowish pace. It's great riff, especially after that first stanza. It's just, it's this band had a great sound, and it's so on display in this song. And I, I just, I just love it. The chorus is such a jam. Oh my gosh, oh. <laughs> Graham, what'd you think? I think it's solid. Um, it. Yeah, for whatever reason, wasn't like a a huge standout track for me. I I need to go back and listen to this. I guess. I, oh, it's okay. It's it's not. It's not for everybody. <laughs> but like, I'm I'm almost like having trouble like remembering how it goes. Like it's it's just not one that I've listened to that many times. Yeah. Um, it's chill, man. It's it's chill, but it's it's a jam, a chill yeah. jam. It is. Yeah. It's a good time. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then Little Miss Lover. Mm-hmm. I gotta say something funny about this track. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I think the first time I'd heard this song was Chili Peppers, actually. Which I prefer their cover of it, truth be told. Eh? Dude, they must have just been obsessed with this album because I think they covered half the songs on this album on their albums over wow. the years, like his B sides and stuff. What what iteration of them covered it? Was was it with Frashanti? Yeah, it's a okay. BSSM B side. Okay. Okay. And it's it's fantastic. Okay. I'll have to Dude, he, JF does it justice big time. If anybody could, I mean, I, I, I'd have him at the top of my list. You can tell he is just so heavily influenced by Hendrix. Definitely. I, I think, uh, I think I, I feel good saying this is good Jimmy singing, too. Yeah. I like Hendrix's voice on this track. I do, too. Um, it's, it's not... Um, the, the guitar parts... Are a little more downplayed in this. I don't know why. This is a. This kind of sounds. I, I feel like this is kind of a bluesy song. So I always expect the guitar to kind of take over, and it, it never really does in the nope. song, which I always find kind of surprising. It's just like all about the verses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a real. It's it's it's, it's an interesting one, and I, I feel like this one. 
I, I feel like this one gets a lot of play. I think this is a pretty famous song. It, I'm really surprised because it's like the second or third least streamed song on this album. And like a quick glance of the tracks on this album, that's one that I'm like, oh yeah, I know Little Miss Lover. Yeah. Kind of odd. Yeah. I, I didn't really know it, but for some reason I had the Chili Peppers. Um, they, they came to mind and I was like, do they have a song called this or did they cover it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was... I'm glad you mentioned that. Me too. Um, check, out, check out the B-side, their cover of it. It's, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> even better possibly. Yeah, I would say it is, honestly. Um. Yeah. This this one um didn't leave much of an impression. I guess. Yeah. Shall we adjourn to the finale? <laughs> Hell yeah! Let's do it. Title track. The Perfect closer. closer. Perfect closer. I agree. I, I, I didn't write anything for this one either. Yeah, just strong, strong close. Yep, yep. Love the drum solo. Uh, just the Hendrix tearing it up. I mean, the, the crazy riff during the chorus. I mean, it's it's just it's every it's all the staples. Of <laughs> Hendrix it's and this band. Hendrix. Yeah, it's it's got the, that kind of harsh psych rock feel to it. It's just it's the. It's one of their defining songs. I mean, even if you don't really like it as much as, you know, some of the other bigger ones like you know, Foxy Lady or Purple Haze, something like that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's so perfect for this band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this, this could be my favorite on the album. Really? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I think it's, the guitar solo on it is especially cool. Yeah. Like the way he kind of rolls into it, like it really kind of like builds up. And then kind of the, the triple fake ending with the the drum fills, and then it almost sounds like a carousel or something. Yeah. Like all the, you know, piano swirling parts. And it's a good descriptor. <laughs> it's good 60s stuff. Does um does it does it hold up? Do y'all think? And not even just bold as love, but like the the album in general. Like, does this? Do y'all think this holds up? Okay. Yeah, for sure. I do too. I do too. I'm biased though, so I I have to check with people. I I don't always. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to be totally objective for this kind of music. I mean, for me, there are some forgettable tracks, but like the ones that hit really hit. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Some of, some of the best of that era and probably of all time. Yeah, kind of a for me, it's kind of a challenging one to score. Yeah, yeah, like one of the most challenging. <laughs> I know what you mean because it's got such like a huge legacy. Yeah, it carries so much weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with it's that just being like, said, I got to give it a seven. 
Right on. Would you recommend it to people? Over other Hendrix albums? Uh, yeah. Or just in general? Uh, either. Both. both. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would. I would. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's, it's got so many big songs on it. I, there, I would almost uh, recommend a, a playlist. Yeah. Over just an entire Hendrix album. If I was trying to get somebody into it. I, I would say, I, I think you're right to suggest that, but of the, of the three big ones, um, I think this is probably the most accessible. Yeah. I, I I'm not, not just quality. I mean, maybe you want to you argue, like, experienced in Ladyland are better. I mean, you go for it. But I, I feel like, I, I think this one is the most, uh, I, I think, you know, casual fan could get into this. Right. You think it's the most cohesive out of the three? I would say so. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of different versions of uh, Experienced, for sure, and Ladyland's pretty deep. Um, yeah, I-, I would say try this one out first, and if, if, you, if you're into it, definitely you know, do the other two. I think yeah. I'd agree that this is the best one. Just doing a glance at the tracks yeah. on the others. Because, yeah. um, like, I almost picked REO Experience, but it is an hour long. Um, <laughs> and some of the big songs off of it, like, I don't really need to hear Foxy Lady again. Or... No, no. Wayne's World kind of ruined that song for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think just the the title of Foxy Lady ruined it for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's some huge ones on that album, though. Yep. Hey, Joe. Oh, Man of Depression Stick. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It's a great song. Uh, This is an 8 out of 10 for me. Um, It's a a genre that did, especially now, it doesn't get a ton of mainstream attention, but... uh, I, I think that I, I th- I'm, I'm with y'all. I think this album has aged really well. It's uh, it's more the songs are so short that kind of belies how layered a lot of it is. Like I, I just I pick something new, even something like Little Wing. Like it's, it's one little like note choice or transition. Like there's there's so there's a lot to it, even though it's such a quick listen. And I I got to give it. Props for that. I, I still really enjoy it, and that is me completely removed from like nostalgia or you know hearing it for the first time or its impact, all all that stuff. Like just taking it on its own as an album from the late '60s. I, I still think it's great, and I, I got mm-hmm. score it pretty high. Sweet. Yeah. It's a seven for me. Um. <laughs> You know, and I, I think there are really just like five tracks on here that kind of make it um, great to me. Like, and sure. that's why I wouldn't give it like an eight or a nine personally, but yeah. Um, it's like the five tracks that are great are like really great. Yeah. Where they kind of carry it. Um, but yeah. 
definitely give it a listen. Yeah. Check it out. Check, check, check it out. <laughs> check, check, check. Any final thoughts before we close it out? That's everything uh, for me. I don't have any. Okay. Well, you're still here. Uh, thank you for our uh, long discussion on a pretty short album. Uh, three different ones is all over social media, so reach out if you've got something you want us to listen to. Check out. We will definitely get on that. Uh, you know, as always, for three different ones, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>